It is day 23 of South Africa's national lockdown, and there's still very little information about how the country will fully transition out of its current situation. For now, the lockdown will end on the 30th of April, but even if it ends on the 30th of April, you can't just open the floodgates in one day. There has to be an orderly way. So expect that almost every week, new things will be coming, new conditions, new areas will be coming on stream. But some will remain in place for a very long time. Across the country, frustrations are rising and slowly reaching a tipping point. On Tuesday, police had to fire rubber bullets to disperse angry crowds in Mitchell's Plain. Burning tires, chunks of concrete and smoldering mattresses were used by protesters to block the roads. The community largely survives on state welfare and they were unhappy when government failed to deliver on their promise. And that's where we find ourselves this week on The Story, in the middle of a standoff between hungry residents and armed police. You're listening to The Story. We'll speak to journalists and experts about the week's biggest story. This is what we saw, heard and uncovered this week. I have on the line with me News24 reporter Jenny Evans, who was on the scene. Jenny, you found yourself in a sticky situation on Tuesday. Can you tell us a little bit more about what happened? Ruan, it was on Tuesday we actually went out to Strandfontein where the city of Cape Town has set up a big sort of tent city for homeless people in line with the Disaster Act directives that homeless people can't be living on pavements. So we've been trying to just go and monitor what's happening there and we were really struggling to get in. And then we heard that there was uh, that there was a problem in Tafelsig. Now, I don't know if you know that area very well, but it's, it's, it's kind of out in the sticks. It's just sand dunes. Um, it's kind of in the middle of nowhere-ish and um, so it was quite a long drive over to Tafelsich and honestly it was it was a bit apocalyptic almost. I know it sounds very dramatic but there was tyres on the roads, chunks of concrete, every law enforcement agency that you can think of, the police, the um, the actual city of Cape Town's law enforcement guys who normally police bylaws and things, the metro police who do traffic, I mean, the army, it was like they all had their own version of their armoured vehicle there. They were driving up and down and also in their little vans in this sort of cat and mouse game with people. I, I didn't completely understand what was happening. So um, just kind of stopped and, and try and got a lay of the land and find a, you know, find a safe place to just observe from there. So once you found a safe place and you could see what was going on, what was playing out in front of you? All of these law enforcement authorities were all quite heavily armed. They had these kind of bands of bullets, uh, the rubber bullets, you know, they're kind of strapped around them and everything. And they were walking in, in, in rows, trying to just kind of hold people back and, and just try and contain people and also try and telling, shouting at people to go inside their houses. Because apart from the, the protest, people, the people throwing stones, a lot of people had kind of started climbing onto their roofs to see what was actually going on. And the police were shouting at them to go back inside because it's a lockdown. It was very chaotic. Jenny, what were the people upset about? What was, 
the protest all about? Okay, so first of all, they were they were upset about food. From what I picked up, they were saying we want food, we want food. As we know, the SASA offices have closed, so um, you you can't actually go to a SASA office now if you've run out of food and say, look, I'm really starving. Um, I, I may not have been in the system previously. Can you please help me? And people didn't know how to get food. And uh, what had happened was a, a councillor had had gone and handed out some food parcels in one of the wards. It's little grocery packets. It's got mealy meal and oil and rice and sugar and jam and things in it and people had seen this and they were like where's ours and of course there wasn't enough to go around and then people just got really angry and frustrated and this creates this chaotic scene and the uh, police had to just kind of come in and, and, and try and just sort of calm everyone down so the, the issue was we want food where's our food they're getting food where's our food and a lot of the people were shouting why did they get food first where's our food that was the, the main issue but there were also other issues they can't walk around freely and they're very frustrated by this because it's it's kind of it's one of those um, suburbs where you have to get into a taxi or a bus to get somewhere if you don't have your own car so you can't just like seapoint go downstairs and go to the shop quickly to go and get a loaf of bread so you can't walk around and so they were being kept into the house so there was that frustration as well um, and also people who can't work um, suddenly you've got a house with nine people in the house all day long you go through your food very quickly I mean we all know it's all happening to all of us but um, to a different extent over there and so there was this food that was coming and where's ours how do we get ours and they didn't get it and it's this this kind of um, venting of frustrations just played out um, with uh, people burning tires and throwing stones this seems like quite a clash how exactly did that play out it was mostly i would say youths maybe uh, young boys that are 10 11 12 years old and then older men um, maybe uh, in their twenties. The topography of the area is is such that you can you can actually group on a hill and form a a kind of a, um, a, a, a sort of a, a barrier of people, and then um, you would you would throw stones down the hill at the police who were approaching you. So um, and the the suburb layout as well is such that there's lots of little crescents within crescents. So people could um, so people would would throw stones at the police and the various law enforcement authorities. They would uh, they would uh, shoot off uh, rubber bullets to try and disperse the groups and then chase after small groups as the groups broke up. And then they would disappear into the into the crescents and then the police would run into the crescents and try and catch them. Um, I understand four people were eventually um, arrested um, for public violence and and for breaking the um, disaster act uh, regulation that you can't sort of be walking around in public. You know, this, this sounds like a problem that's endemic to Cape Town. We've seen a lot of the looting that's been going on in terms of um, grocery stores, liquor stores, uh, those kind of things going on uh, around the Cape Town area. Um, do you think it's limited to Cape Town? There was a protest um, on Friday morning in Stellenbosch. Um, I was actually at the Gift of the Givers. They are actually organizing um, food parcel distribution themselves. And I was there and I heard about this and I got hold of the... Um, municipal manager of Stellenbosch, Geraldine Mettler, to find out what was going on. And a, a similar thing was playing out there, um, although she said it wasn't as, as violent as the one in Mitchell's Plain had been. 
the same thing. They had um, food, they were distributing food, and people were like, um, you know, they're very, very eager to get to get a, a food parcel and were very frustrated that they had to wait. And um, Geraldine was explaining, and, and this is this was echoed as well by the uh, Premier yesterday, Alan Windy, they've, they've, they've got money, they've got systems in place, they, they've already budgeted for, for 50,000 food parcels. But um, you have to be screened to get a food parcel, all right. So once you're on the, once you've got through to a call center, and the the uh, the Western Cape's call center got fourteen and a half thousand calls for help over the Eastern Easter weekend, um, they had to get extra volunteers in because there were so many people phoning in asking for help. So um, you asked if it was just Cape Town. I, I can't answer that because I've obviously just been focusing at the moment on on Cape Town based stories. But province wide, they've had fourteen thousand. 14,500 calls just over the Easter weekend alone for people asking for help. Now, they have to be screened because uh, what they, they're calling it, they don't want people to double dip. So they don't want you to um, to benefit from every single program. They want to share uh, it's, uh, what, what is available um, amongst everybody. Um, so if you've already had uh, your SASA grant, Somebody who hasn't had the benefit of a SASA grant and is now in a situation in their life for the first time where they, their cupboards are bare. They've never, this is new to them. They don't know how to get into the welfare system. So they're phoning this call center for help. They're getting screened and their needs are being checked as well. Um, so that's, that's what was happening in Stellenbosch on Friday morning. The same thing. She said they had to just, you know, scramble and go and check the lists. And she said they've actually built up now a database of, of beneficiaries that they can cross reference and make sure that, um, the people who, who need are getting. Um, and also Gift of the Givers is, um, fanning out across the sort of, uh, the west of the Cape Town area. They're also going to Eastern Cape. But they've also got a system where they, they also list, they, they're kind of plugging into um, community organizations and they're looking, they're trying to prioritize the, the elderly, people who are looking after like really a large number of children in a home, um, a pensioner, a granny, for example, who's got a lot of kids in the home and, and can't feed them because they're not getting food um, at school anymore. They're trying to prioritize, um, you know, people who need food for their medication. So, so you, to get on the list is, is not, not your, um, the be all and end all. You've, you've still got to, once you're on the list, you've still got to wait. Uh, before you before you get your your food parcel, and that I think is causing some frustration as well. Yeah, I was just going to say, sounds like a lot of the frustration comes from the bureaucracy that goes with getting any help. Yes, I, th I think so, and and I think they're coming the, the they're coming from a good place. The various departments, and there's um, Alan Windy was saying, the Premier was saying that there's eight thousand NGOs um, in the in the province that are helping, um, apart from the, the the Department of Social Development and of course the national um, government. Um, everyone's trying to help and what they're also trying to do is they're trying to coordinate um, and make sure that um you know, a, a soup kitchen in this area can cover those people, and they're trying to also coordinate. So they're coming from a good place, but because it's it's happened so quickly, um, it's it's not like a flood where you go there and you know there's a beginning, a middle, and an end to the to the disaster relief. We don't really know when this is going to end. So um, so so the, the planning is completely different to anything they've ever done, had to do as well, from what I'm picking up. And with the lockdown being extended, what does the future look like for people? in this community and their need for food parcels. Things are very centralized at the moment. There's kind of national ministers are telling us 
what's happening and everything. And with a lot of the normal places that you would go to for help are closed. You can't, for example, go down the road to, say, for your, your house of hope and ask for help. So I, I've noticed that opposition parties are, are, are increasingly rising now to the challenge. And also political parties um, are, are setting aside their differences, I've noticed in a lot of cases. Here in Cape Town, for example, the, the ANC is, is the opposition. And they are putting quite a lot of pressure on, on the council to make sure that, that these, these programs are run, are run properly. Because... Um, for the first few three weeks of the lockdown, everything was in sort of in the hands of government ministers, and we sort of eagerly waited for the next briefing from Cyril Ramaphosa, and, and there, there didn't seem to be much oversight in the beginning. But I am picking up more oversight now, and I think that's actually going to help a lot. So I think there's going to be a lot of pressure on on um, social development departments and on um, on uh, the the NGOs and the NPOs that normally help. They they're going to have to really really work work very hard and very quickly as well to, to prevent a flare-up again uh, uh, like the one in, in Tafelsach and like the one in, um, in Stellenbosch on Friday morning. Thank you so much Jenny. That was Jenny Evans giving us insight into one of this week's biggest stories. And that's it for this week and this season of the show. We are going to take a short break, but we'll be back with fresh episodes when we kick off the third season of this podcast in a few weeks. I'm Rian Krobler, and our producer is Nogutula Maniati.